This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 587 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, August 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Nick Pollock for another fireside chat. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? Yeah, this is a a fun one. We're going to talk about some interesting pitchers today, Paul. Yeah, we're going to hit on some guys that uh, that we deem looking a little overrated right now, a little underrated. One each. As you kind of go into these final two months here, you might want to look out for these overrated guys. You might want to jump in on these underrated guys, whether it's, uh, you know, if you can still make trades. I know some leagues do not adhere to a trade deadline until September, um, you know, or if you're just kind of deciding between them on your roster. Like, oh, I don't know if I can keep starting this guy. You might just want to keep going forward with them. And even I don't know about your underrated guy, but my underrated guy sometimes pops up on waiver wires still. Maybe sure. yours yeah, yeah. would too. I could totally see yours in, in some leagues. So we'll get into uh, we'll get into both. We're going to start with the overrated guys. And, and uh, we'll start with your guy. We actually talked about him quite a while ago. Yes. Live in his city, <laughs> uh, at least in his hometown. Actually, I think he's a hometown boy too for the Rockies. And it's Kyle Freeland, who's definitely been having a, a, a strong season by the results. It's you, you can't really state it any other way. 146 innings with a 302 ERA, 124 whip, and, and 10 wins. That's always going to be nice as well. However, as we know, the results alone – uh, do not mean that you're going to carry forward those. And so that's where your concern comes in about whether or not we should continue to uh, view Kyle Freeland on the level we do, because I think right now he's pretty much universally rostered and being started in most leagues home and away. So you have some concerns about uh, about the 25-year-old lefty. So tell us a bit about Kyle Freeland and why we should perhaps be cautious. Well, OK, I don't think anyone really believes that he's a three ERA guy. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's, it's very, it's very easy. (laughs) Uh, It's very easy for me to just say, okay, he has a 302 ERA and a 394 FIP and a 441 Sierra. So there you go. He's overrated. Ha ha. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to do that. Doesn't help Uh, anybody. Right. And at the same time, I think that anyone that is told that argument would also be upset. We say like, no, 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 there, this is the argument I hear a ton. And I kind of wanted to use Freeland as a way to talk about it is I get the question of, okay, Nick, this this guy is, we know he's overperforming a little bit, but he's done it for so long. It's it's August now. Can't mm-hmm. we just say that he is, you know, he's going to be on the fortunate side through his career, right? He's always going to be that way. And the answer to that, and I think I've talked about this with you before, Spore, is no. It's a gambler's fallacy. 
maybe it goes an entire season of luck, and that's great. Sure. But that is not something that we should be betting on. That's just, you know, the next two months happen to be lucky. And just because it was beforehand does not mean that that luck will carry on. Now, I will say this. I am not going to make the case that he is deserving, you know, that that his ERA should be that 441 Sierra. Right, I uh, if we talk about Freeland, one thing I think not enough people do talk about is he actually has this really good skill of going up and into right-handers as a lefty. This is something that Paxton is really good at. Uh, David Price has been showing finally improved skill. Of, finally, oh man, uh, Chris Sale it used does to this be kind of his bread and butter. Right, you go up and in to to right-handed batters as a lefty. Same thing, you know, Irvin Santana made career doing that uh, against the lefties. Mm-hmm. I I even actually talked about Jacob Nix in the uh, in my gift breakdown of him yesterday. How he was San Diego doing on both sides of the plate. Excellent. I uh, so so Cal Freeling does this excellent. He does an excellent job with this, and then he goes back door with uh, with his cutter to right handers to kind of freeze them at times, and then sometimes tries to jam them too. And that combination itself makes me believe that that homer per nine, which is .86 right now with a ten percent homer of a fly ball. That stuff, I mean, I don't really think that's too far away, honestly. I think yeah. I think guys that are able to go up and in with their four-seamer to either side of the plate, they're going to have success at limiting home runs. That's by far the hardest place to hit home runs. You look at anywhere else in the uh, in the strike zone, if you're able to get, get jam guys up and in, you will prevent home runs. And so I feel like you look at last year's .98 on a 13% homer to fly, and that kind of tells you where it could go, right? Uh, which is not too bad if it, if it regressed to that level. So I agree with you there on Freeland that the home run piece is probably the strongest part. Guess as you're going to get into the, the average bat, uh, BABIP left on base situation there where, I mean, that – well. Oh, I mean, There's some skill there, but it's running hot too. Right. It's I mean, like, a 275 like a Babbitt, sure. It's it's also he plays a lot in cores, and you have to think that has to go up a bit. That's why I can't get behind. And then it. and then 82.5 percent left on base. That's not gonna be sustainable. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, that Freeland is a bad pitcher for generally anybody. Right. You see the 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 handful of guys that do an 80 for the full year. Um, it's very difficult to repeat. That was something that Kyle Hendricks was continuing to do. Right. And obviously had that excellent defense behind him. Like that is difficult. And it goes hand in hand with Freeland's BABIP. And again, the Rockies factor alone is what makes me cautious of that. Sure. So then, so then I look at his 394 FIP and really the major, major difference between Sierra and FIP is that Sierra takes into account home runs. Okay. And FIP kind of just ignores it, says that whatever you're doing to prevent home runs, that's legit. Fine, we're not going to even look at that. So that's kind of what, you know, I see a 394 FIP, and that's kind of what I think it should be. Maybe maybe 37. Sure. Or so 375. And I'm not saying that's the whole run, though. Right. And, and also not to mention that he doesn't come with strikeouts. It's a sub 20% nope. K rate. It's an also an 8.5% walk rate. It's not like he's this incredible control guy either. So then there's a one two four whip attached to it, and I kind of think that this is gonna be like a three eight with a one thirty whip. Yeah. I, without strikeouts, I I just don't really see. He's, he's like very much on the fringe of being ownable to me in twelve teamers, despite this run. And I'm not saying you don't necessarily go and start it. I understand that philosophy fine, but this is not a guy that I mean I, I remember even reading things like. He should be in some sort of talk for Cy Young, even just because he's pitching in cores with that three-year run, and I just don't. I mean, buy this at all. I, I I do think one thing though we don't 
we don't give them enough love when the pitchers do well there and we take so much juice away from the hitters so that there is something to be said for that yes. for maybe some down ballot voting for Kyle Freeland. But top of the scale, come on. No, right. No. And, and um, curious if you looked at the at the the nice 69 innings at home because he's got a 222 ERA. But again, you look at a 115 whip. 115 on its own is not bad, but it does not marry with a 222. Did you happen to look at anything? in his homework that it, it explains why he's been able to uh, allow a 213 average at well, home. Honestly, I, I instead decided to look in the future to see who okay. he's facing at home. Yes. And what I've got is the next start is at Atlanta, but then he's hosting the Padres. Ah, I mean, I'm okay hosting the Padres going to Atlanta. We'll see. Uh, then he goes to LA for the Angels. I'm okay with that. They then, they're terrible against lefties. But then hosting the Giants, hosting the Dodgers back to back, and I think honestly, I mean that's kind of right in the middle of your playoffs, or they're just getting started at the end of August, early September. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of cautious. I can I can see that not going well. I I, I feel like this this pumpkin is going to be back to itself soon. I, I kind of butchered that, but that's why I meant to go with <laughs> the carriage of Kyle Freeland's going to yeah. turn back into the pumpkin. And and yeah, like I do think there is some. Some obvious skill. You watch him, you see that this is not a bad pitcher. But it's not about saying whether he's he's a, a binary good or bad. It's about to what level here. And, you, and you're talking about maybe a full run added. And, you know, that could be from here on. So maybe he's a 3-8 the rest of the way. That'd right. actually be fine. Yeah. But what if some of those things that were really working well go completely the other way, right? We see that sometimes when sure, guys yeah. come in, they've got one pitch working, and then all those hits that weren't, weren't falling are falling, and it's a seven earned run outing. And so if it gets his bottom line to 389, I think we're deep enough that hopefully we don't see that from him. But I don't think that's out of bounds for Freeland either just because the 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 hit suppression at home is so out of bounds. I mean, it's so exemplary. And again, hats off because there is some skill involved in that. But that doesn't mean that it's going to maintain either. So even if you acknowledge that, hey, you did it, you earned that for, for the 69 innings, are you going to do it for another 30? I would bet against. Right. So I, I thought you had a good pick there. And, and as well as he's pitched, you got to be careful. I don't, I'm not cutting him because the well, landscape's well, too treacherous to do so. Toby. If you know, if yeah. you know, if you know uh, me and pitcher list, I, I have a phrase called Toby, which is someone you keep around the office because he gets his work done, but you don't like him. You haven't seen the office. You don't get that. But if you've seen it, you will love that. So, so he is a Toby to me where he's on the fringe back end of your 12 team where he's just kind of got to be there and fine. All right. Yep. Go ahead, Freeland. Good luck. I hope you do great. You know, that, that's kind of how I feel about Freeland right now. Yeah. Um, so I think that totally makes sense. And interestingly enough, and, and not on purpose at all, but that leads into my overrated guy who I think is a better version of this guy. But I think there's some similar factors with Carlos Rodon. Interesting. I think Carlos Rodon has uh, better stuff. Again, this is a better iteration of this, nor does he have as difficult a ballpark to pull off the same act, but he does pull off the similar stuff. Amazing hit suppression, mediocre to bland base skills. We see a 20% strikeout rate from from him too, from from Rodon specifically. It's a little bit alarming because he does have swing and miss stuff. That slider can be so devastating. He works 93-94 on average from the left side which jumps up 95, 96. So you would hope for some better swing and miss. But even when he was putting up 25% strikeout rates uh, in the previous years, it was with a 10% swinging strike. So it wasn't necessarily within the swinging strike rate. It's, right. you know, getting called strikes, maybe getting some fouls to get those strikes and then put it, 
finishing them off. I do wonder if maybe he's kind of tried to not focus so much on the strikeout to, you know, really be honed in on making himself difficult to hit because he does have a, a blisteringly great 185 average uh, buoyed by a 207 Babbitt for Carlos Rodon. But I just worry about about seeing this continue. This is a guy I do like, though. I'm not I'm not anti Rodon. I just worry that because he has a prospect, he's still just 25 and he's got a gaudy two, 261, 105. At least his whip matches his ERA a bit more than Freeland. So again, this is better Freeland across the board, but some of the same similar flaws where I just don't see an 82% left on base or a 207 BABIP continuing. And it's not buoyed by the strikeout totals that that we'd seen in the past, let alone a positive strikeout, right? A 20% is just not good in this era. And so I, I, I find myself still a little bit guarded on Rodon. I want this to become a thing. I was on the Baseball HQ podcast a, a while back, and uh, Patrick had talked about something from a chat that I had where it said, I like the idea of Carlos Rodon, but I'm not quite sure I'm in on Rodon himself. And it's because uh, of the fact that I feel like he teases a lot. I don't know where, where he qualifies in your your names. Um, I know you have guys that are a tease, but uh, you know the one thing that makes it tough to really go against him is the schedule. I will freely admit that because uh, that that central is so awful. I have that schedule, but for I you. am. I, I would love to hear it because if he avoids the Yankees. Um, and at least one of the Cleveland outings in the back end of September, then he's going to have a cakewalk. This is, okay, it's at Detroit, Minnesota, at Detroit, Red Sox, hosting Detroit, at at Kansas City, at Cleveland, Cubs, Minnesota. Wow. That's three against your Tigers that are the bottom, that are actually at the bottom. Literal bottom. Lefties in the last 30 days. Correct. And even the Red Sox... That they're much right, weaker yeah, side. Right. You got to get Jay Happ as a Yankee, right? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got the Red Sox um, with the little schedule planner I did. I had them as the 14th ranked against lefties, second against righties. So you don't want to use your righties against them, but your lefties, a guy like Rodon. So again, this is not a one to one with Kyle Freeland. It's it's the higher end version of, and the schedule might save him a little bit more. But I do worry about these skills. We've seen walks become an issue at time at times for Rodon as well. And I think that I think a lot of the struggles, if he has them, are going to be self-made. I think it's a situation where when he loses himself, uh, he starts to give up walks and then a key homer and then boom, all of a sudden uh, an outing where he was dealing becomes a four or five earned run outing in uh, five, six innings. So again, this is not an implosion. It's not even super actionable of like get rid of him. It's just be careful with the 261. If you think if you've had trouble with your pitching this year and you think you've found your ace, I would be a little bit more cautious on that. Again, the one saving grace is the schedule, but I'm I I don't like to get too hung up on schedule because we see when a guy's skills aren't there that a schedule yeah, does not doesn't yeah, matter. Definitely. So um, so that's where I'm at with Rodon. It, it, it's not as it's not hate. It's just be a, be aware and don't just believe the uh, the surface numbers. Yeah, I mean I, I'm not disagreeing necessarily. It's uh, you know he had an 831 hit per nine last year. and It's about six this year. That's not going to last. Uh, and he needs that for that 105 whip because he is pushing that 10% walk rate once again. 
207 Babbitt versus 297 last year. Yeah, that's obviously not going to change, uh, be any different. Now, this is interesting, though. I mean, I really did like that comparison to Kyle Freeland. And, of course, then I got curious. Where is he putting his forcing relative to last year? Guess what? He's doing a really good job of getting that Boston inside. Fools. It's Let's unbelievable. Go. And, but the thing is, though, it, because he's been doing that, I think he's been ending at bats sooner. Yes. Uh, his K rate on his four-seamer is, has been halved. That is about 24% wow. last year and just over 12% this season. And I think that's because he's going up and in more and then less up and over the plate, which is also why he has fewer whiffs. You can Oftentimes, guys will get some sort of wood They'll on it because it's closer it. yep. to the handle. But then as you get closer the, out to the plate, bats are not level. They are Correct. always slightly uh, tilted down. So as you get farther across the plate and high up, it's harder for them to get, you know, it takes a little more time for the, the barrel to get up to where that pitch is. So it's an 8.5% whiff rate last year, 5.4 on his four-seamer this year. But more contact, 80% last year, 86, uh, sorry, 88.5 this year. So, so not necessarily a problem for Rodon, though. No, it might no. be by pure design exactly and i think this is actually a good thing so i i wouldn't expect the full regression to that 300 babip i could see a 270 here agreed agreed um, on that and that means that hipper nine is still good but then again walk rate is still up well, that falls down to what 1.25 whip with this uh and his slider isn't that great <laughs> it's weird it should be so much better no it, it, it and it used to be like I don't know if it ever qualified as a money pitch, but it certainly had never. money pitch properties at times. Never, never had uh, a zone rate above 40% and never had an O swing over 40%. Never. That second one is especially surprising. So right. he doesn't have that ace pitch. This is Carlos Rodon. And so, again, you're talking the 261. Even if he had a full run, he's still very usable at 361. But even if it's more of like a 340, but the whip is more in the 120s, and I'm not getting strikeouts – how likely am I to get wins? Again, this is this sure. is not hey, I, I just want to be clear. Yeah, yeah, you no, you hate Rodon. No, no. I'm I'm nervous. I'm just I'm just concerned. I'm looking at him and I'm saying he isn't gonna be my 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 horse down the stretch. Now um the other thing my, I should mention I should mention I uh, also his sliders results are absurdly good so far. <laughs> uh one ninety seven average last year, point six eight. Oh six eight. Well, Average. This is on 287 thrown. It's crazy. Uh, 66 plate appearances ending on the pitch. Has 59 at bats, so seven walks. Uh, he also has an ISO of 0.017. One extra base hit on all of these. It's wow. crazy. So I, I mean, I, I mean, that's why, that's why you see that p valve. But that's how you see that p valve. Negative 1.6 last year and 6.8 this year. Yeah. Why, why can't he use it to get whiffs in your estimation? Do you, do you have an idea? Like well, I, the fastball thing makes a lot of sense. Sure, but uh, then what with I the remember, slider. what I remember about a slider or about his overall success has been when is he getting swings on the pitch? His swing percentage on a slider would go from like fifty-five percent sometimes and then thirty-five percent other times. Okay, and I, I think I, I think honestly, it's just him commanding it right. Uh, if yeah. he can, if he's able to get it down to the ankles effectively then everything is wonderful. But a lot of times you bounce it or sometimes you, you know, you overthrow it and it sails up and away from a right-hander. And I've never really felt that confidence in, in Rodon Slider. I, I remember watching multiple games and there's sometimes it's just great. And then 
It just it's chameleon like it goes yeah. back and forth and it's wild. And uh, another thing about Rodon, um, he's cut the homers this year. Got, gotten back to more of what he, what he did in 2015. Uh, 2015 was his best point seventy one. This year it's one flat. But the two previous years were one six and one three. So that's another thing where I'm like, when he does miss, it can be homers, and that that's why that's why the walks can scare me. So he's had the homer suppression this year. He's had the hit suppression this year. Schedule is favorable. Use him, enjoy him. But if he's your ace, you know, if you had a tough year with pitching and you're like, well, I found my ace, I don't think you have. I think you found a right. solid pitcher that is still working through things and the volatility could be there. So yeah, I, I prefer I prefer Rodon over Freeland. Um, I mean, I think we can all kind of agree that even with the lack of wins, theoretically, I still think it's better not being inside of cores and that's an easier schedule. And then the fact that, I mean, Freeland has like a 15% whiffery on that cutter. Rodon's slider is still a better pitch. Yeah. So, yeah. E- so even think, yeah. even with the volatility from that pitch. I totally agree there. Uh, let's talk about another lefty. I don't think we're doing all lefties. We have one right. <laughs> so let's go to our guys that we think are a little bit underrated and that we are saying, let's get let's get on board here for the, for the final stretch well, run. Is, I mean, this is a guy I don't really like. <laughs> yeah, so you, it's weird because neither of us do. So I'm really eager to hear what you're saying if we can come to an accord that we're like, hey, we kind of like Robbie Ray. So tell no. us about Robbie Ray, who's had a struggle so far for 76 innings. Obviously, sure. he hasn't pitched all year uh, with the health. But 483, 143, what are you seeing with Robbie Ray that makes you think, you know what? I can maybe dip my toe into this pool for the final well, I mean, uh, final. I'll, I'll, I'm surprised because I've seen a lot of comments saying, like, I don't want to own Robbie Ray, that he shouldn't be owned, that kind of thing. I keep texting you that. That's why. (laughs) You're just just reading my texts. Oh, man. But the thing is, honestly, a guy that has a 31% K rate, Mm -hmm. a 31% K rate, which is crazy. With whiffs to back. Yeah, 13% whiff rate. Uh, he's also found his curveball a bit lately. I mean, his last four starts have returned a 3.57 ERA, six Ks or more in each one. Every single time he starts, you are going to get strikeout production. It's pretty much as much of a guarantee as anyone out there. He's had two starts. One was the shortened one in uh, when he led to injury at yes. the end of April. And then he had this really weird start against the, the Rockies uh, in the middle of at July. Yeah. Otherwise, every start has been over six Ks. Every that's single one, all fifteen. Like, so, so that's thirteen out of fifteen. That's locked six. in production, as you're right. saying, and so that gives him a floor, a, a particular floor yes. for Robbie Ray that you can look at. Something, salvage something from yes. every single start is very valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if, it, yeah, I understand ratios. I, I am I'm very much aware walk rate is bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, very inconsistent. Still, last you know, last five starts, three of them have been two walks or fewer. Uh, he's going to have that volatility fine. I get this. I, I don't really think that Ray is a top 25 pitcher. I do think he's definitely top 40 based okay. on based on the strikeout rates, based on the fact that his curveball has gotten better lately as well. I mean, yesterday, you know, he did a good job against the Reds. He had his tough first inning when he had both of his walks. Then he cruised sort of the rest of the five innings, pitched four hits, two walks, two hundred runs, six strikeouts. Great. That's not an easy ball club either. They're they're tough on lefties. Yeah, they're patient yeah. too. And don't yeah. see two walks. They're nice. Uh, so I, I, I just kind of think that everyone's overlooking the fact that this is easy production. And and to kind of think that a guy that has gone through injury this season, you know, he was doing pretty well leading up to uh, leading up to that injury. 
You know, he, he had 11 strikeouts, 9 strikeouts, 9 strikeouts. He was actually doing pretty good for four straight starts before that injury. Then he came back, had, had to get himself settled, had those 6-4 and 5 earned run games. I get that. But are we already just forgetting how good he was last season? Are we just you know, rolling that out? I, I don't really I'm, understand I'm not, this. Well, to a degree, yes, because he's not a 289 yeah, guy. Okay, or fair, any, yeah, okay, we're close to it. I'm really the argument of a three-five guy, and, and that 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 I can at least entertain, though the indicators haven't said that. Why does he get the heck beaten out of him so regularly? As far as like hard hard contact rates, home run rates, what what is the volatility there between? I'm either going to strike you out or you're going to get an extra base hit. Yeah, sure. Like, what it, is that? Really, it's really based on the fact that he's very deceptive and where he does locate his fastballs, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of the strategy for lefties. You got to go up and in to right-handers effectively and then go out over the plate if you want to get whiffs. He does that really, really well, but then when he doesn't, it's pretty hittable and he doesn't miss... There's something that we're taught when we're young is when you make mistakes, make mistakes off the plate. Miss, yeah. And Ray often makes mistakes on the plate. In the heart. I think that's kind of it. And it's okay. pretty obvious, too, when he gets locked into throwing something. You know, his slider and his curveball aren't so different. So if you're I looking agree. for a that breaking ball, a you're not, have, you don't have to make such a major adjustment if you think it's a slider versus a curveball. It is helpful. It, I mean, as a pitcher, you're kind of thinking, can I throw a strike with a slider? No, then I have another option to go to my curveball. That's kind of why that's important for him mm. to have that other option. Uh, but as a hitter, it's not, you know, if you're guessing fastball slider and you get that right, it, that's not a big difference going from slider to curveball. Sure. And and by the way, those are his only two secondaries. He is right. Uh, Robbie Ray is fastball slider curve. He's mo- he never really had a change up and then he's fully moved away from it. Now he has not throwing any of them this year. And so that makes sense. It, it's it's not exactly a two pitch guy, but it's a two type. It's right. fastball or breaker. Um, so that makes some sense there. Uh, and I, I can I can see that. And again, I don't rule him out as somebody who's going to be useful. And like you said, the strikeout production alone is, is is reason that I I couldn't I couldn't put him on the wire. Even somebody who's not a huge fan, I, I couldn't put him on the wire right now because because of that strikeout upside. What is uh, Robbie Ray's schedule look like coming down the stretch? Do you see any positivity uh, from that aspect? Oh, I definitely do. Um, and the last thing I really I forgot to mention really quickly is that he had that bad stretch when everyone kind of forgot, you know, hated Robbie Ray back in yes. July. He threw his curveball about 10% of the time. That's not right. The, the entire season, it's 20%. Yeah, so it had to have been so much more to to overcome right. that 10% period. And those last four I'm talking about, 3.57 ERA, 6Ks or more in each, well, he's gone you know, 26%, 27%, etc. So that, it's it's back up. It's He's using it once again. That's okay. very good. I, I think that's very encouraging. I think this is kind of a new Robbie Ray. Uh, he's going to the Padres next, and then the Mariners, the Giants hosting the Padres, Atlanta, Houston, Cubs, Dodgers. So the first half of that, really good. Second half, eh. <laughs> well, we'll see what Houston's health looks like because right now sure. um, they're not as scary when when they don't have pieces. Obviously, that's that's further down the line. They're going to have some of the pieces back. And the Cubs, it's not their strength. Did you say Colorado in, in there anywhere? No, I did not. He that's good Colorado. because they're the best team against lefties. Despite their awful offense, they actually do perform against lefties both home and away. So uh, that that isn't a bad schedule for Robbie Ray. you got to hang on to him. It's just I think I'm mad that, that I that – I, 
kind of just went a little bit too much off of last year with my initial ranking, and maybe that's why I'm still holding that against him. But um, he's not a bad pitcher, plain and simple. Robbie Ray's he's going to help. Bad. He's going to help. You're going to get strikeouts, and if he gets locked in, he could be a stud the rest of the way. If he put up like a 320 um, with a boatload of strikeouts the rest of the way, no one would really be surprised. It's not the right. expectation, but it wouldn't surprise folks. Not to mention, so, we, we talk about how much we hate the SP landscape this year. It's it's been a nightmare. So what are you going to do? You're not you're not right. cutting this guy. You have to use him. And um, I do agree with you from that point. And that's why it's hard to hate too hard on any of the even our, even the two guys that we were cautious about. We can only hate on them so much because I'm not going to pick up uh, the schmoes that the the cup, cups of schmo that have been littering the wires. There it is. Uh, what's worse <laughs> than a cup of schmo though? Like. I'm trying to think of, the cup of something. Of, the cup of schmo is is. I mean, that's also for a young one as opposed to. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the, I used to say something. Stop Jeroming for Jerome Williams. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's like just because he was so bad. So anytime someone so went bad, there. so so bad. If and you're then, doing then, that, then it became you, stop being so wily for Wiley Peralta. I like it. I, I, I don't think I have. I, that I like calling him Wiley. Um, I, I don't it, I have that. I got I got to figure something out. He pretends it's Willie. If you want it to be Willie, add an extra L. Otherwise, you're Wiley. Okay? I'm going to make you Wiley, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Wiley for, for me, dog. It's a Wiley for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's stick with Kyle Freeland's team for my underrated guy here and go oh, back yeah. out to Colorado and talk about Herman Marquez. Mm. And let me give you some thoughts on Mr. Marquez here. Last seven starts, we got a 315 ERA, 105 whip, 30% strikeout rate, and perhaps my biggest factor out of all of it, 6% walk rate in 45 and two-thirds. Very surprised there. Three home, four road. And the only bad start was a five-inning, five five-earned at Arizona. And he's kind of been known this year for being a road-only sort of guy. So unfortunately, if you were playing that, you, you caught the only bad start. But he started to find his footing a little bit at home. And the, the key really is that he's absolutely destroying right-handers, uh, uh, 497 OPS during this period. He's handling lefties. He's, he's, Marquez is surviving against them with a 756 compared to an 883 in his first 16 starts. So they were, they were beating him around uh, the yard, and now they're just kind of doing all right. But uh, righties, I mean, it's almost a 300-point shift. It's 280 points from 777 to 497 uh, from first 16 to these last seven starts. The big key here is that the the curveball is back to being being a weapon. Yes. It was a weapon at times last year that I really liked and I thought was going to be kind of that, that third pitch that he needed. And for the first 18 starts of the season, it was garbage. I mean, it was absolutely – or 16, yep. excuse me. Yeah, minus – 6.2. I mean, you just you can't do anything That's with that. That's the on uh, Marquez's curveball? Yes, the, uh, for the first 16 starts. Now, oh. over these last seven, we're up to a 4.8. Now, think about that shift. 4.8 on its own in the seven-start run is pretty good. But when you come from minus 6.2, wow, completely changing things there and giving him a weapon at home, too. And I imagine that sometimes the break on it isn't as good at home, and that's probably why he has struggles there uh, in course Field. But He's got the feel for that curve. Uh, the fastball hasn't been as bad either. It's still a minus pitch at minus 1.1. But again, coming from minus 9.1, I, I can take that. I can take a little bit of mediocrity from your fastball because you're not getting crushed with it and you're able to get to the slider curveball changeup. So for me, Marquez is somebody that I really like. Because now he's more than just a road-only starter in my estimation based on the fact that this curveball is working. And I think that that can kind of be your shorthand barometer. Never take any one thing at face value and say that this is it. But if you're kind of 
eyeing him start to start. If that curveball is still working for Marquez, then you should you should remain interested. I also think if the schedule works out well, and I don't know if you have the schedule oh, handy. Of for course me, I do. But, of course um, I do. It could be pretty good. There are spots there that are dotted uh, with, with some danger, especially if Trout's back, because both L.A. teams can be really tough. And I know they have L.A. on the schedule three more times. Um, he misses them. He misses all of them. Let's go. That's huge, because then you're talking about an Atlanta team that is worse against righties, the Padres, the Cardinals, uh, the Giants. I mean, uh, so go ahead and give us the schedule that he faces. Yeah, so he gets he gets uh, he has Houston next. Okay. Uh, and, and then um, again, they're injured. It's only career, right? Exactly. So, so no Springer, no Altuve. That's all right. Uh, heads to Atlanta, then host the Cardinals, heads to San Diego, uh, host the Giants, host the Diamondbacks, goes to San Francisco, goes to Arizona, host the Phillies. That's pretty I can great. hang with that. Yeah. I can hang with that, and and none of those home starts were too treacherous for Herman Marquez. So if the right. curveball continues to to be successful, uh, I think we're going to have a successful starter down the stretch here, and it's really going to help the Rockies from a real life standpoint too, because obviously they're fighting tooth and nail to stay into this uh, yeah, situation definitely. here. Uh, so yeah, so I like Marquez there. We actually went one negative, one positive on the same team, which was interesting. Oh, that was good. Uh, I mean, I think I pretty much agree with you with about with Marquez. I think he should be owned in twelve teamers. And great points about his curveball usage being up and, and schedule i uh, i also I, I okay his slider is a money pitch pretty much it's a 39.5 okay. percent o swing we'll round up for him oh man a 40 43 zone rate 19 percent with rate i can't play the cashier sound i am so sorry because i you know i i, I don't your have own my laptop here oh, to, okay. to play it <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so good. I loved it. And then when Alex got mad at it, and I texted y'all right away on that. Hey, Little yeah. did I know it would, be, would become a thing throughout the episode because oh, he yeah, said right, it right. the very first time. He was like, no. And I like, <laughs> I, I sent Nick and Alex a video. I was like, no, dude, that's the greatest thing. You ignore Alex. You keep doing it. And then they discussed it the rest of the episode. So that was really fun. I, I, that was live, that. live um, texting. Uh, I, I mean, I remember just going on my laptop, just trying to get it up in time because I came up with it. it just try. I didn't real, even know if it'd be a good sound. I was just like, was I don't really know. Let's, let's hope this is a good. Sound I loved effect. it, and well, his reaction made it even better. The fact that he was so angry that you did it. <laughs> uh, so. Well, I can't do it now. To change. That's okay. That's all I got. I. Uh, but as curveball is close too. That's what I really wanted to talk about. I uh, his curveball is eighteen percent whiff rate, forty one percent O swing with a thirty five percent zone. Okay. So, so that's. I mean, I think also that has improved too yeah. over the past seven days or For seven sure. games rather. So that's all very much encouraging. His fastball is not that good though, and and it no. was really it was really bad in that Pittsburgh start. He got away with it a little bit, but it was it was not good. Exhibit so, five billion. That velocity alone does not make a pitch good because he throws right. it hard. But he rarely knows where it's going, and the batters seem to know exactly where it's going. Or, or if he does know it's go- where it's going, it's usually down the heart. I mean, I gotta, he throws I ha- a lot of fastballs. I have to do a good plug here. Uh, we have a great staff writer, Michael Augustine. Uh, he put out a going deep piece, which is about perceived velocity. Yes. It shows why certain pitchers, when they throw hard, it's pretty easy to hit. As opposed I love to some, uh, some that have better mechanics and hide the ball longer why that's harder to hit so it's not always about the 95 it could be 92 it's also working up in the zone the other way around. yes um, yes it's a great but, piece you have to you have to read it there are gifts involved as well too he did an excellent job with it so definitely check that out uh over at pitcher list 
by the way, that's the same thing as effective velocity. It's called perceived velocity or effective velocity. Yes. You guys have heard it used before. Uh, it's very key, and, and it can have you, you know, you're seeing a guy who throws 92. You're like, how's he getting all these strikeouts? Like, why is everyone not on his fastball? Definitely read that piece. And if you want to send me the link, I'll put it in my show notes as well. Oh, um, I'll do that. We'll have it on both because uh, I do think you should read that. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Marquez takes away value from yes. his either with his extension or and or where he puts it in the zone. So right. just to review, uh, we're a little bit uh, cool and, and, and keeping a, a cautious eye on both Kyle Freeland and Carlos Rodon down the stretch. And uh, we're more positive on the outlooks of Robbie Ray and Herman Marquez down the stretch. And so, again, acquisitions i know not everyone can still trade but uh make your decisions wisely based on the information here if you agree with it so hopefully you guys enjoyed that if you have interesting things that i know not everyone is still dialed into their leagues right people fade off i know a lot of people are going to start turning to that other sport hand egg um we understand (laughs) but we know a lot of you are still diehards well, I want these firesides. We want these firesides to be good for y'all. So if you have anything that you think is going to be useful for these final two months as a topic, let us know. And just so, also to, to mention, we're going to do a schedule cast. Uh, yeah, I believe in a week or two. I know I'm going to have a massive article on it myself, Perfect. too. So then we'll be able to compare our stuff and talk. about. No, that's it. actually a great idea. And and. We'll also have more clarity on the rotations as well. And so we'll yes. give you a bunch of guys who are looking good with it, a bunch of guys who you should be cautious of as well because schedule and why we said earlier it's not the only thing. It is a big thing down the stretch when you're trying to get every edge possible. And if you can get some mediocre starter against KC and steal six solid innings, you got to do it. Right. Yep. So, all right, Nick, that's going to wrap us up for this week's Fireside. Great talking with you, and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I'll see you, Spore. Fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.